Well, we're looking at um, Luke chapter 11, and just, just two sentences tonight, but um, even though it's a short couple of sentences, the, w- the words are full of uh, wonderful truth. Last week, we, we thought about the privilege of prayer, and uh, we, we thought about these words in Luke 11, verse 2. Uh, Jesus is being asked by his disciples, uh, teach us to pray, so they can see the Lord Jesus praying, and uh, they make a connection between Jesus and John the Baptist. John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray, uh, and, uh, and then they pray, they ask the Lord, well, teach us to pray, uh, and then Jesus gives them words. Uh, he says, when you pray, say, uh, and, and that's important to start with, isn't it? Many people have an idea about prayer, that, uh, that, that prayer can't be taught. You go somewhere and shut yourself away in silence, or you, you go into a cathedral and you meditate on whatever you want to meditate about, but... Jesus didn't say that to the disciples. He gave them words. And um, last week we, we thought about that wonderful opening in the prayer. The privilege of prayer. Uh, Father, but because of the work of the Lord Jesus for us, uh, because of his death and his resurrection, we can come to God the Father. Uh, the way has been made open for us. And we can come by the help of the Holy Spirit. We've been adopted into his family. We were on the outside but now we've been brought into the kingdom of God and into God's family. What a great privilege that is to come to God uh, and to say, uh, Father. Um, and then we, we move on to the next couple of sentences. Uh, in, in, in my Bible, the New King James Version, uh, I, I have three petitions. But uh, I was just saying to Nathaniel before we started, uh, in your church Bible, we have two. Uh, Hallowed be your name and your kingdom come. And so I'm, I'm going to stick to you a chapel church Bible this evening, the ESV. And we're going to think about those two petitions that Jesus gives. So the privilege of prayer. God is our Father and we can come to him uh, with, with the family of God. He's our Father in heaven. Uh, and then the, 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 what we could say, the priorities of prayer. What things should we put first? And uh, these, these words immediately present a challenge to us, don't they? Uh, what, what, what things do we pray for most of all? What are your priorities in prayer? When you pray, what, what is at the top of the list? Well, Jesus says, say these words, Father, hallowed be your name. And so there are to be priorities in prayer. Um, and, um, well, the, the, the world around us, human beings are central, aren't they? Man is always central. It's my wants, my needs, my desires, my happiness. Human beings are the center of everything. But but in this prayer of the Lord Jesus, we find that God is to be the center of everything. Uh, Don Carson puts it like this in his um, small commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, He says, this prayer removes man from the center of the picture and gives that place to God alone. So that's a challenge, isn't it? This, this prayer immediately presents us. It goes against the current of the world. In the world, it's me. It's my wants, my desires, my happiness. But Jesus says, when you pray, say to your Father in heaven, hallowed be your name and your kingdom come. And so we'll, we'll think this evening for the, the time we have before prayer of these uh, two petitions. First of all, hallowed be your name. Uh, the, the, the word um, hallow means to sanctify 
or to set apart as holy. Uh, this was the Lord Jesus' desire in his own life, wasn't it? So what the Lord Jesus is teaching us here, we could say was part of his own life. It was his desire on earth when he was on earth to, to set God's name apart. We can think of other verses where Jesus prays um, in his own prayer life. Father, glorify your name. And uh, on occasions, God the Father would respond. I, I have glorified it, John 12, and I will glorify it again. And uh, John 17, just before the Lord goes to the cross, his desire that the Father's name would be set apart. So what Jesus is teaching us to do here uh, is to reflect his prayer. Um, Charles Wesley wrote a, ch a children's hymn, Gentle Jesus, Meek and Mild. And uh, one of the verses in that hymn says these words, speaking about the life of the Lord Jesus. Thou didst live to God alone. Thou didst never seek thine own. Thou thyself didst never please. God was all thy happiness. Well, the, the words of the old children's hymn are challenging, aren't they? Thou didst live to God alone. Do we live to God alone? Thou thyself, thou didst never seek thine own. Well, we have a battle there, don't we, with sin. We, we always seek our own things. Thou thyself didst never please. Well, I'm always seeking to please myself. But in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, God was all thy happiness. It was the Lord's desire, you know, that um, the Father's name should be hallowed. And so he passes this prayer on. When you pray, say, hallowed be your name. So hallowed means to sanctify, to set apart as holy. Um, we remember in the, in, the, in the Old Testament that the people of Israel, uh, they, they had certain utensils that were not, not for ordinary use in the temple, for example. They had cups and, um, and things that were to be used by the priests. And they were called holy vessels to the Lord. It's not the same thing, but uh, in, in your family life, on certain occasions, do you, do you fetch out the best china, maybe, or the best cutlery, or, or um, something special at certain times of the year? Um, and, and so the Lord Jesus teaches us that, that, that our desire should be for God's name to be set apart, uh, not, not common, not ordinary. Derek Prime um, is a retired uh, minister and he's got a book on the Lord's Prayer. And he, he talks in one of the chapters about uh, an American living in uh, Tanzania with a Maasai tribe people. And this American was not um, used to the culture. He didn't understand the people. And uh, the American would go about introducing himself, his own name, asking people their names. Until one day, one of the Maasai men said to him, do not throw my name about. My name is important. My name is me. My name is for my friends. Don't throw my name about. And the, the American had to learn that he was in a different culture. And you didn't throw names around. It's, it's, it's even more important here, isn't it, that the Lord Jesus is telling us that um, we are not to throw God's name around. God's name is holy. And um, we are to hallow his name. It's to be the desire of our hearts and our prayers. 
that, that, that God's name might be set apart and sanctified and different in one sense. Of course, we, we know that God is never changing. I'm sure as Christians, we, we find that to be a great encouragement that in one sense, human beings uh, never change God. We, we can't affect God. God is always the same. So what is the Lord Jesus teaching us here? Well, he's teaching us as far as our lives on earth are concerned, we know things have gone wrong. Sin has come into the world since the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And, and life in this world has been spoiled. And God's name is not hallowed as it should be. We, we, um, we think of the angels that was mentioned at the start of the meeting this evening. The angels in heaven, Isaiah chapter 6. And uh, they, they constantly cry out, holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. God's name is, is reverenced in heaven by the angels who've never sinned. And they, they repeat constantly the holiness of God. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 6. Great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. So the people of Israel were to learn that God would come down and rescue them and save them. And he was in the midst of them, but, but he was still the Holy One. And uh, so the Lord te uh, teaches us uh, to be concerned about the, the name of God. That his name might be hallowed and sanctified and set apart. Uh, let's uh, just ask a few things on that. How, how can we hallow God's name? How can we set God's name apart? Let me uh, suggest a few um, uh, answers to that. First of all, in our prayers, that, that's the context of these verses, isn't it? Jesus is teaching us to pray. and He's giving us the words to pray. And so in, in our prayers, we are to reverence God. Remember how the Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he, um, he talked about the Pharisees and the scribes. And, and then he urged his own disciples, do not use vain repetitions like the Pharisees. They think that they shall be heard, for they are much speaking. And how they love to, to stand in the corner of the street and draw attention to themselves, pray long prayers. Don't use vain repetitions, the Lord says. And so uh, in, in your prayers, be careful. The words that you use. Uh, let me give one or two examples from, from Scripture. Psalm 79. Psalm 79, verse 9 and 10. Uh, this, this is a great prayer where God's people are asking God to help them. Uh, help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins. For your name's sake. Why should the nation say, Where is their God? Psalm 79, 9 and 10. God's people were in trouble. The nations of the world were coming against them, putting pressure on them, laughing at them. Where is your God? And so God's people cry out to God and they say, Lord, help us. But, but then the motive is important. Uh, not, not, not only because we need help, but for the glory of your name. For your name's sake, Lord. Your name is at stake. The world is laughing at us. And so they plead 
uh, Lord, hallow your name. Intervene and help us. Or, or, or take the great prayer of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18. Um, again, it was a day of apostasy. God's people had lost their way. Uh, Elijah is preaching and prophesying against the, the wicked king and queen Ahab and Jezebel. And um, in, in 1 Kings 18, you remember the great story of Elijah building an altar. The false prophets pray, nothing happens. And then Elijah draws near and he prays. And do you remember the words of his prayer? Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. Elijah knew that, that God is always God, that that doesn't change. God is untouched by what human beings do. You don't change the character of God. But Elijah is concerned here and now in Israel. Lord, things have, have gone astray. God's people are worshipping idols. And so, Lord, you were always God. You are the God of Israel. But let it be known today that you are God. It's a great prayer, isn't it? We are not Elijah, we are not prophets in that sense, like he was. Uh, and yet, we, we, we can pray in the same sort of way. Lord, you are always God. But let it be known today that you are God. Do something that your name might be hallowed and set apart. And so, uh, in, in our prayers, we are to hallow God's name. We, we could go through many other prayers in the Bible, Old and New Testament, but, but let's, let's move on to um, uh, uh, another thing. How else can we hallow God's name? Not just in our prayers, but um, in the way that we live. In obedience. Again, a couple of examples. Um, first of all, from the Old Testament, the life of Moses. Um, you remember there was a time when Moses was told by God uh, to speak to the rock so that water would come out. Numbers chapter 20. And um, instead of doing as he was told and speaking to the rock for the water to flow forth for the Israelites to have drink, uh, Moses strikes the rock with his rod. The water still comes out. You could say God overruled. Uh, and yet afterwards, Moses is chastened by God. He's not allowed to lead the people into the land of Canaan. And uh, the Lord says these words to Moses, you did not hallow my name. You did not set my name apart amongst the people. And, and at that moment, the, the, the great prophet Moses, he failed to hallow God's name. What went wrong? Was he concerned about his reputation at that particular moment? Was he afraid of looking foolish if he spoke to the rock? Well, whatever it was going on in Moses' heart, God says, you did not hallow me. You did not trust me. And um, so Moses was, he lost out on leading the people in. He was still a saved man. He still went to heaven. He's in glory. Uh, but he did not hallow God's name at that point in his life. He disobeyed. In 2 Kings chapter 17, we, we have um, uh, uh, another part of the sad history of Israel and Judah. Um, and the Assyrians come and they take God's people away captive and overrun the countries. And there's a strange phrase in 2 Kings chapter 17 
where we read these words, the people feared the Lord, but they worshiped their own gods. I remember reading that some years ago and I just couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't grasp what was being said. How, how can you fear God and yet worship your own gods? But if you read the whole of the chapter, which we haven't got time to do now, 2 Kings 17, you, 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 you understand that life had become a bit of a mishmash. Uh, people were worshipping idols, but they, they still went through the routine of doing the old traditions of worshipping God in certain ways. And so the, the record is written there. They, they feared the Lord in a sense, but it made no difference to their lives. They worshipped their own gods. But when the Lord Jesus teaches us to hallow his name, we, we, we are to do it in our prayers but also in the way that we live. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, um, another great verse from the, from the New Testament, the Apostle Peter, and he's writing to Christians and they are suffering um, and being persecuted for being Christians. And uh, he says these words, even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Don't be afraid of people, in other words, and what they will do to you. Uh, and then he says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you. A reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And so uh, Peter is urging Christians there to be obedient. Sanctify the Lord God, hallow his name in your heart. And uh, well, that, that's so important in the Christian life, isn't it? Sometimes we ask the question, well, how, how can I be a better witness? I, I want to witness better. Well, Peter, he touches on something crucial there, I think. Before he says, always be ready to give a reason to everyone uh, that asks you for the hope that is in you. That crucial little sentence, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Set the Lord apart. Give God his rightful place. And so in our lives, we are to be obedient to the Lord. In our prayers, in our, in our obedience. Or um, thirdly, let's suggest another reason, uh, another way we hallow God's name uh, in, in our worship, in our praise. When we come together as Christians and uh, we, we sang a hymn together this evening to begin our time isn't it good to be able to praise God, worship God? I cannot tell how he whom angels worship should set his love amongst the sons of men. Psalm 34, oh magnify the Lord with me and, and let us exalt his name together. So when, when God's people meet together, yes, we, we want to be blessed ourselves. We, we want to benefit from the meeting. But the first priority is, Lord, hallow your name. Let your name be praised. Let the Lord Jesus Christ be exalted. Let us exalt his name uh, together. And so the Lord Jesus says, when, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Um, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 
he speaks about, um, well, he uses the word prophecy, I suppose we might say preaching a word, a powerful word from God coming to the congregation. And, uh, and then he says, uh, an, an unbeliever comes in to the church. And he hears the word of God. And uh, he, the secrets of his heart are revealed. And he falls down on his face and he worships God and he reports that God is truly among you. That, that's worship, isn't it? That's what we desire when, when the preaching of the word is given. That, that God's voice is heard and somebody comes in and is convicted of their sin. And God's name is praised and hallowed. And so hallowed be your name, priorities in prayer. Uh, we could spend more time with, with, with this, couldn't we? But let's come to the second petition um, that Jesus gives. Uh, your kingdom come. Again, another priority. That God's name would be hallowed and sat, set apart and sanctified. And, and that his kingdom would come. Your kingdom. So God has a kingdom. And uh, we, we know that um, the Bible speaks of this to us that the, the kingdom of God is past and present and it's future. I was reading the other day that, that um, chapter in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 2. And uh, you remember how Daniel is called by King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, one of the bodyguards of Nebuchadnezzar says, Daniel can interpret your dream. He can tell you the dream and the interpretation. So Daniel is brought to tell Nebuchadnezzar his dream. And in Daniel chapter 2, do you remember how Daniel begins? He's there in front of this great king of Babylon. And Daniel, who's just a young man, maybe a teenager, he begins by saying that there is a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven. And then he goes on to tell him more. In the days of these kings... Daniel talks about Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom in Babylon and, and then other kingdoms are going to come and one by one they, they'll diminish and fall but, but God, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom and his kingdom shall never be destroyed. It shall break in pieces and consume all these other kingdoms and God's kingdom shall stand forever. And that, that, that young Daniel, that young teenager all those years ago, prophesying about God's kingdom that's coming. Or think of those wonderful words in Psalm 2, uh, 1,000 years before Christ, and, and yet uh, God speaks in that psalm as if it's already happened. The nations of the world, they, they ridicule God, they set their fist against God, and uh, God the Father laughs, and uh, he he says, I've set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Set my king on my holy hill. And then he goes on to speak about the Lord Jesus being begotten, the Son of God. And the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, uh, encouragement to Christians. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Our God is a consuming fire. Uh, we, we have a kingdom. 
And that kingdom, we could say it's, it's begun. God has set the wheels in motion. He has set the Lord Jesus Christ uh, on the throne in heaven. And uh, it's a kingdom that will never end. I don't know what your favorite television program is, but um, we, we, we like to watch these uh, house renovation programs. Do you watch any of those? And uh, a couple's got money, so they're going to build a big house or renovate another, an old house. And then after half an hour or so, at the end of the program or an hour, and the couple are being interviewed, and they say something like, this is our forever home. Forever home. And you think to yourself, no, no, it's not. It's not, is it? It's a temporary home. And the house where you live, and the house where I live is a temporary home. We were doing some renovations on our home during COVID. And uh, there was a particular day, and I, I felt I had to remind myself, you know, one day, somebody else will be living here. <laughs> it's a temporary home. But, the, but there is a kingdom which is lasting forever. And, and the, the, the Lord Jesus gives us this prayer. This is to be part of our pray, praying. Uh, praying to our Father in heaven, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Here, here is something that lasts forever. And, and when we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, what, what are we praying well, again, let, let, let's uh, suggest a few things that we pray when we use this prayer. Uh, Lord, your, your, your kingdom, come to me. Come to me, Lord. Rule and reign over my heart. Remember how Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and, and Nicodemus is, is wondering and curious about the Lord Jesus. He understands that Jesus is able to do miracles, and, and then... Uh, the, the Lord gets straight to the point with Nicodemus, doesn't he? The, the Pharisee, the teacher. And he says, Nicodemus, you, you can't see or enter the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. Born from above. The kingdom of God has got to come to you and touch your heart. Otherwise, you will never see God's kingdom or enter into it. You must be born again. It's not an optional extra. It's not uh, to say, well, uh, well, it's nice for some people if they've had that experience, but no, Jesus says you must be. Otherwise, you're not in the kingdom of heaven and you'll never see it. And so, your, Lord, your, your kingdom come. Again, an, an old hymn says these words, Francis Ridley Havigal. O come and reign, Lord Jesus, rule over everything, and keep me always loyal and true to Thee, my King. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. There was a teaching many years ago, wasn't there? And some of you will remember it. You know that you could you could have Jesus as your Savior, um, and you might not have Him as your Lord. You have to invite him as the Lord of your life, maybe years later. Well, we, we don't believe that, do we? we? You can't divide the Lord Jesus Christ up. He is Lord, the Lord Jesus. But, but, but is there another sense in which we can hide things from God? Listen to this prayer, Psalm 119, verse 133. 
Lord, let, let, let your word dominate me. Let me walk in your precepts, your ways. And, and let no sin have dominion over me. So the psalmist is saying, Lord, you rule over me. Don't let sin rule over me. And we always need to pray that prayer as Christians, don't we? Lord, your kingdom come. Rule over my own heart. What areas of my life, Lord, are, do I try to hide from you? Lord, reign over everything, Lord Jesus. Be the king of my life. So surely when we pray the Lord's Prayer like this, uh, your kingdom come. Uh, we, we are praying, Lord, come to me. Uh, and then a second way we can think of it, Lord, let, let your kingdom come to others. Come to others, Lord. In conversion. Times of refreshing. A couple of years ago in, in a Balaam minister's conference, one minister was speaking of how God came to his church in, in the late 1970s, the early 80s. And uh, he, he summarized it. He said, it was not revival, but it was a season of refreshing in the church. When the membership went from about 25 to 80 people in a year or so. But it wasn't revival. He was honest enough to say that. But, but a season of refreshing in the church. Lord, your, your kingdom come, Lord. We need that in our churches too, don't we? Always. Uh, that God's kingdom might come to others and others might be uh, converted. Times of refreshing sent. Acts chapter 4. From the, uh, times of refreshing sent from the presence of of the Lord. Or one final uh, way that we can pray this prayer. Your kingdom come. Uh, Lord uh, come to this earth. When we pray this prayer. Aren't we praying for the second coming? It's a challenge as you read through the New Testament. And you find that the apostles of the Lord Jesus. Paul and Peter and John and the others. They, they, they had much to say to Christians. About the second coming of Christ. And the very last prayer in the, in, the old, in the New Testament, Revelation 22, verse 20, Jesus says, I am coming quickly. And Christians respond with the words, uh, Lord, yes, even so, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Bring your kingdom, Lord, in all its fullness and in all its glory. So that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. There is a day coming, isn't there, when the Lord Jesus will return. Does it feature in, in our prayers, in your prayers and mine? Come, Lord Jesus. Come, rule over me. Come to others. Let there be seasons of refreshing in the churches. Let the Lord Jesus Christ come again. Uh, I, I live in a, a village of about 7,000 people. It's a big village. And over the years, Comavan has gained the reputation of being described as the land of the moving curtain. <laughs> uh, we, we, are, we are people who are nosy. That's the point, I suppose. And we are uh, the land of the moving curtain, uh, seeing who's coming. As Christians, we, 
we are, we are to be expecting the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are to be looking forward to his coming. The world is not going to be saved by recycling or don't want to get, it, get in political things, but however green we want to be or not to be, but we know the, the world will be complete. It will be glorified when the Lord Jesus comes, a new heavens and a new earth. Come, Lord Jesus. And so priorities in prayer. Lord, let your name be hallowed. And uh, let your kingdom come, Lord. Very often our prayers can begin and end with ourselves. That, that can't be right, can it? This prayer removes us from the center and it puts God at the center. And uh, that is to be our prayer. So may the Lord help us in our, in our own prayers uh, to put the Lord's name first and uh, to pray that God's kingdom might come. May the Lord help us on in our own prayer lives.